You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey player. I idolize Dominic Kaczyk. I played goalie because of Dominic Kaczyk. My life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as this team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, I'm sorry. I'll hang up and listen. I'm sorry. Welcome to Two Goalies, One Mike, an in-depth look and behind-the-mask conversation about the greatest game on earth, where everything goes and nothing's off limits. Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 85 of Two Goalies, One Mike. I'm Johnny Cullen, joined alongside Dwayne Steinell. As always, we have a repeat guest and a friend of the program, uh, Chris Peters. You can find his work on Hockey Sense on Substack and DailyFaceOff.com. Chris, it's been a few months since we've had you on. I'm really happy to see how, how you've transitioned into your new work um, and, and what a time it is in the hockey world. Uh, a lot going on with the Olympics that we'll get to, and and also right in the thick of uh, the NHL schedule, the college schedule, everything from prospects to to, to Olympics. Uh, excited to have you back on, bro. Yeah, it's good to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. It's it's been a, it's been a while, but always a pleasure. And yeah, it is it's exciting. I mean, I think with the Olympics, it's it's crazy. We just got games stacked on top of games. Unfortunately, some of them are overnight, but yeah, you know we're. Uh, we're ruining sleep schedules and uh, and enjoying the game, so it's it's not so bad. Yeah, last time we had you on, Chris, we were talking about beach hockey and a very <laughs> awkward and scary interview with Paul Valbury at NHL Cool Shot. So it's been a minute, um, but <laughs> I, I still I still cringe. That was great. That video that, that, of Valbury was great. That was so cringeworthy. <laughs> just like what, what what he asked you is like uh he kept a, taught her to say you are beautiful in russian he just like awkwardly hitting on her in the middle of an interview <laughs> she had no uh, idea shoot your shot i guess that's yeah. what he does yeah that's, yeah that's but, uh, no i appreciate you coming on with us i guess uh coming on with us again chris uh as you said you know right in the thick of it cully with the uh the olympics nhl college uh, i know um Michigan, Michigan just won the uh, battle. Of the, I think it's the battle of the D with uh, Michigan State. I believe it was a nut last night or the night before. Uh, without the without having Owen Power, Brisson, uh, you know Ken Johnson and Maddie Bernier. So you know, a couple of clicks for them. We, obviously, Buffalo has some stock uh, in that in in that team with both Portillo and Power, first overall pick. And then you know, just a lot a lot to get into. Uh, Team USA. Uh, about to have a rematch in the women's tournament with Canada uh, after they beat Finland this morning. I believe it was five to one. Saw Hillary Knight take over second place in uh, all-time score Olympic women's scoring, um, and Abby Rock becoming the first Indigenous woman to score a point at the Olympics, which is pretty exciting for Team USA. So just a lot to cover, Chris, and I appreciate you coming on with us. Yeah, no, it's 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 great, and yeah, it's been. Uh especially with the men's and the women's tournaments overlapping now where, you know, we've gotten into the, the women started first, the men get in there. And then it's just like, gosh, I, I, your, your head kind of starts spinning with all the hockey going on over in Beijing. And then not only that, you still got the NHL going here. You got college hockey, as you mentioned, and 
Um, yeah, it's just, I mean, the bean pot is tonight as well as we were recording right. this. So, you know, we've got, we've got all kinds of stuff and the, the bean pot's crazy because all four teams uh, have lost players to the Olympics too. So the, this is the yep. men's bean pot, the women's bean pot already over. And, and that was the same deal. They had women missing for, for the Olympics as well. So uh, it's just, it's, it's been a strange year, but I, I mean, I think it's, it's just great that we're getting a chance to, to have this level of hockey uh, available to us right now in addition to the NHL. I have one question for you. If you're Northeastern's coach, how pissed off do you got to be that Devon, Devon Levi, and, and we're biased because we're Sabres fans. Um, yep. you know, he's had a tremendous season. He gets called up and you're missing him for your back-to-back-to-back run in, in the bean pot, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, that's got to be a kick in the pants because he's been carrying that, that team on his back the whole season, not to take away from anybody else. Northeastern has, has assembled quite a hockey team, um, but to lose your starting goalie going into the tournament of tournaments and, and the hockey Mecca, uh, well, maybe hockey Mecca two of, of the States. Um, yeah. New England, you know, that's, that's a very prestigious tournament and to not have your starting goalie. I know they're not the only team affected, but um, you know, what do you think that'll have an effect on them and, and any chance that we'll see, Canada, U.S. in the finals. Do you think uh, they go back with Pasquale? Or do you think we see D- Devon Levi? What, what are your thoughts there? Boy, you know, I wish I knew what Canada was doing with their goaltending situation. It, it was pretty clear that Pasquale was their 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 guy going into the tournament, and then he didn't have a good game against the U.S. at all. No, he didn't. Um, and uh, you know, I, I mean, two goals where you say, okay, you can't you can't allow those. Um, you know, especially the 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 four two goal that, that was a backbreaker with Kenny Agostino scoring from distance and yep. it squirting Maybe through and the first goal. Yeah, the first goal too. Yep. I mean, like the, really there were not he he didn't have it. And the thing is is that you know, so then they get the game against China. Levi finally dresses. He didn't even dress for the first two games. He dresses against China, but he doesn't play. They have Matt Tompkins in, and now they're in a qualification game and they've got to play China again. If you don't use Devin Levi in this game and don't at least find out what you have, if you're the Canadian coaches, because I think the rest of us that have been watching him for the rest of the year know what he is. He's quite frankly the best goalie on their team. Hundred percent. I agree. Um, and, and and you know, and they haven't used him. If you don't do it in this qualification round and you go into these elimination games where you know there is a a greater chance of you getting bounced, then I think you're you know you're in you're in real trouble. So. Um, the, the Chinese team also like they've actually played pretty tough. Uh, you know, they, they, have. They, they hit and they, 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 it's, it's the Kunlun red star. It's not really team China. It's it, most of the guys on the team are from North America. You know, you've got Spencer and Parker Fu, you've got Brandon Yip, but then you've got Jake Chelios and Ethan Warrick and all these other players that I played with Warrick. In, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, and I mean, some like Jeremy Smith was the U.S. World Junior goalie one year, so you know it's just kind I of got traded for him too. <laughs> See, all the awesome. it all comes back, Cully. It all comes back to him. But but I, but the thing about it is, is like you know Levi and and to answer your first question, if I'm Jerry Keefe, the head coach of Northeaster, I am furious that you know that he's not getting this opportunity I'm because fighting. you you let him go with the understanding that he's got a chance to compete for the starting job. Now I don't know what Devin Levi looked in practice looked like in practice uh, over in Beijing, but I know that over 24 games this year, he has a 948 save percentage. He's got nine shutouts. You know, he's having a historic season, a Hobie Baker caliber season. He interrupts that to go to, to join Canada. And I'm sure, 
you know, you can't guarantee if I'm a team, I'm not going to guarantee anything to anybody because there was so much that you didn't know going into the Olympics. And, you know, Pasquale was, has been a top goalie in the KHL for the last couple of years. Tompkins has played well internationally and has AHL experience. Uh, but you look at what Levi has done and really with the exception, he's, he did have three losses in his last four games before the Olympics where he, where, you know, his, his numbers definitely did dip. I mean, he was, but he was up over like a nine fifty five before that you know so yep. this is you know if you want to play the hot hand you want to play a guy that, that can play you know he's the guy and then not only that but you know hockey canada's brass the the people that run the national teams are the same people that saw him at the 2021 world juniors have the best yep. literally the best performance by a, a canadian goaltender in terms of numbers uh in the history of that tournament and we're talking like better than carrie price who is the next guy after that, after yeah. him in that, and that list. So that's that it, I am shocked that, that they didn't at least give him one of the pre-tournament games or one of the preliminary round games. It, um, so yeah, it, it is shocking, man. Especially I remember him and Spencer Knight put on a show in that tournament yes. in terms of goaltending. It was exciting to watch. So the most exciting hockey I've actually watched, you know, you know, in, in quite a few years, I mean, internationally, at least that was, that was a such a fun tournament to watch being a goaltender watching, just the stellar performances put on by Knight and, and Levi, um, you know, you know, and when you said historic, uh, historic year he's having, if you look at the numbers, you put them side by side, he, they are eerily close, at least before those three games you spoke of close to what Ryan Miller did for Michigan state. Uh, you know, the year he won the Hobie Baker, you know, back as a Buffalo Sabres draft pick, you know, it's eerily yeah. close. Yeah, it was very close. I mean, I wrote about it right at the time where it was like, so if you want to blame anybody, blame me for, for when he had his, his, his little swoon there that he, he hadn't had a, a stretch like that all season. Um, but yeah, but I mean, like it was almost exactly almost identical to the numbers in terms of save percentage goals against average and shutouts. Um, you know, so this is uh, it's, it's been a remarkable run. And the other thing about Levi too, is that, you know, Northeastern is a good team. They, they're, they're solid defensively, but they're not like, you know, Dryden McKay, who's the goalie for Minnesota State, might see 15 shots in a game. You know, yep. like if he, if he's lucky, honestly, like they're giving up about an average of just under 20 shots a game. So, um, you know, so that's he's not seen as much. He, he's a, his numbers are as much predicated by the system that his team plays as as, as he does, and obviously he's still got to stop pucks, which he does. Um, but you know, Devin Levi's seeing a different level. So for me, it's been it's been tough to to you know when especially when he was a not even dressed for the games, not even a backup for the games. Um, you know, did, it make like, any sense. did, did, did they not nope. know? Like, do they just not know what he's doing? And, you know, you've got two guys that are, you know, on the, on the back ends of their career and, and you had their chance. And, and now you've got a guy that I think is going to play NHL games and, and probably quite a few NHL games and has, you know, I wouldn't have said this a year ago or two years ago, rather, that, that he has starter potential, but I mean, you look at what he's done and I'd say, well, uh, he looks like he could be a starter. He's, he's that he's yeah, been he's that, good. that way. He's a lot that. Of, go ahead. No, go ahead. There's a lot of hype around him right now. Yeah. In yeah. Well, and, and deservedly so said he's played his way into that conversation. And, and my only problem with it as an American fan too, is Eddie Pasquale played against him for three years. He was always good, but he was never great. Right. And what we saw right. Levi do at the World Juniors was great. Right. And in these 
games and these one-off games now where, you know, they're, they're playing in the qualifying against China and the qualifications, not only the, not, not, not the quarterfinals, the qualifications, right? That's not usually where Canada sits. You got USA, the, the Russian Olympic committee, Finland and Sweden, you know, and, and you think who's missing out of that group that gets a buy and it's, you know, maybe the best hockey playing country on earth. And, and you got to think part of that has to do with their goaltending. You knew they were coming out thinking that that that, that game against USA was going to decide a lot in the group of death, I call it, um, in, in that first A group. But, yeah, it's it's a head-scratcher for yep. sure. Yeah, um, absolutely. If you were going to bring them over for just the experience, maybe wait for the, for the you know, men's world championship when he, he's not missing – important games right yeah right you're looking for what's best for his development i think playing in a bean pot tournament which would be his first right because he's a freshman yeah, correct yep, like, he would be his first one i, yeah. I don't know it's, it's a head scratcher for me for sure and i think I, not even just rooting for canada but i want to see them in in the finals right i want, I want and and i think that he gives them the best chance that's that's all i got I uh, like, you know, I'm looking here at the schedule too. They have a matchup, like you said, against can or China, which they only, I mean, I want to say only beat them five, nothing, but like Chris says, this isn't like your normal team from China. Like they have a lot of North American hockey players playing for them and they're putting up a fight, you know? And I, I mean, I'm assuming that Levi either, I mean, have they announced who's going to be starting that game yet? I'm, I apologize if I missed that. No, 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 we don't know. And, and, but I, I mean, that's the thing. Now you're in an elimination game, and I think, I think you can feel pretty confident against China. Like I feel like, yeah. you know, they're they're clearly the 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 least threatening team in this entire tournament, just because they don't they they've only scored a couple of goals, yeah. in, over three games. And so, if you're not going to use them, and that's if you're too afraid to use them in an elimination game, then you're not going to use them at all. And then he just wasted the trip. Now. The, the thing is, is that the coaches have to make the decision, right? They have to go with who they feel most comfortable with. But I just feel like there's a lack of familiarity with how good Devin Levi is. Mm-hmm. And if they find out too late, you're out of the tournament. So, you think it has to do with his size? I mean, it certainly could. And that, you know, that's the, that that's, you're looking at, you're looking down your bench and you're saying, Hey, you know, we got, we got this, uh, this young guy. I think it's probably more, they, they don't, I don't know if there's enough respect for the college game. Um, and there should yeah. be because yeah. Yeah. what him and um, what's his name? Yenav Peretz. Did I say that yeah. right? Yeah, Peretz. Yep. Mm-hmm. Him, Peretz, and Dryden McKay, like you mentioned earlier. Like these guys are having, you know, Mike Richter caliber seasons, right? right. Yeah. They, they should all be on the award watch list. Um, you know, my brother being an alumni of, of Quinnipiac to see a guy come in and play the way that he has, that's another freshman too, right? Like yeah. they've mm-hmm. done a really good job, um, the college game at closing the gap. Hell, when I went through the process of deciding, you know, 10 years ago, I feel like the OHL still had the jump on, on, on the USHL and college, but not by a big margin, but by an, enough yeah. of a margin. No, I think that's fair. And But I think we've seen over the past 10 years – not only more and more guys signing NHL contracts out of college, but more high-end prospects. We're talking first rounders that used to always go to the major junior, knowing that they weren't going to stay the four years. I think we're seeing more and more of those players come in, play as a true freshman and, and then in college and then go from there. 
Yeah, um, and for sure. it's just interesting the way it's all happened. Uh, kudos to the guys at the National Training Development Program uh, for doing what they've been doing, but also um, just USA Hockey in general. Um, you know, we brought up Spencer Knight not not too long ago. Now he's a guy that's you know competing with one of the highest paid goalies on the planet. Right. And I know Dwayne, you're not a huge fan of that. Yeah, not a huge fan of paying goaltenders that much money. (laughs) It's working out this year though. (laughs) So he's making he's earning it this year. Yeah, but Cully, to your point too, the I mean, how about Spencer Knight? He goes from playing at Boston College last year to right into the the Panthers, plays regular season games, doesn't lose a single one, gets into his first playoff game, wins that, and then he, you know, and and so it just shows that good players and and this is the this olympics is proving right now something that i believed in 2018 usa's best players in that tournament were troy terry and ryan donato they were by far their best players yep. and they were the youngest players on the team and, and jordan greenway as well and so they took three they took four total college players played three of them will borgen was also on that team but he didn't play um and they were the best players this time they took half their roster over half their roster as college players and the u.s is the only team that made it through the preliminary round with three regulation wins they got nine of a possible nine points they have the number one overall seed they have the bye and now they have home they're the home team in every game they play they get last change in every game they play so and that is can we talk a little bit about for the fans that don't realize how important that is and and i know it it was more important Mm -hmm. on the big ice but they're playing in the nhl ice but being able to, to line match the rest of the way through is extremely important when it comes from a coaching perspective. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think that the, the coaching staff for USA is so well prepared for this too. Like, mm-hmm. do you think this, this coaching staff was put together like nine weeks ago, maybe? Yep. And not even. And, and they have figured out not only how to structure their team properly, but how to prepare. They were ready for everything. I mean, and the way that they played against Germany, the way that they played against Canada, you know, like there was a preparation there. There was a strategy there and it was clear. There was the whole game through. It was clear. And so, and as you mentioned, Cully, now they have the, the ability to line match. They're going to have great pre-scouts because they have a, a big staff over there, you know, and, and they have they have people that kind of handle that. They got They brought two college coaches, two college head coaches interrupting their own season in, in Brett Larson and Mike Hastings, both head coaches at the college level on teams that have a chance to go all the way this year, they're interrupting their season and, and they're, they've made that commitment. I think that the commitment from the staff and from the players, that has been the difference in this whole tournament. And they, again, none of these guys knew this opportunity was going to be available to them until mm-hmm. barely a month before the Olympics began. It's, it's, it's what has happened so far. And again, it doesn't matter if you don't, if you lose that quarterfinal game, Nobody's going to remember that you went undefeated in the in the preliminary round, but the way that they've played, they've been the best team. They've been I've watched every single team play. USA in my like we're talking better than Russia, better than all those other teams um because they're the fastest and they 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 made a lot of the right decisions when it came to the building their roster. Well, you look at their 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 shooting percentage. They got 15 goals on 99 shots or sorry, 114 shots. <laughs> for a 13% shooting percentage. I mean, that's obviously not sustainable over a long period of time, but they're doing great things. Um, their penalty kill looked uh, electric against, you know, I, there was one play in the U.S.-Canada game where 
obviously rooting for USA. Canada has a, plenty of chances to get back in it. We see Owen Power just open up his hips, drag the puck across the blue line, and 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 just to see the communication, the switch off on the Team USA PK was electric to see. Um, and and I, I, I obviously that goes to what you say about the preparation of the coaching staff um, in, in such a short period of time. I think that's what makes this situation so unique. Uh, and, and then looking ahead to, to what we have, um, you'd like to think that that Canada, you know, comes out and beats the the Chinese. Um, one, one interesting qualification game I, I wanted to pick your brain about, Slovakia versus Germany. Now, Germany's played pretty well. Uh, we saw them play USA mm -hmm. to a 3-2 game. Uh, but Slovakia is is no slouch either. They've done a really good job over the past couple of years. I think it was you that told us, um, you know, last time we had you on that they've kind of rebuilt how they've done their, you know, worked with their prospects. And we're starting to see more and more Slovaks get drafted. Um, you know, who do you have in that game? It, it's tough. I mean, I think I think I'd probably give a slight lead to Slovakia just because they have the depth. Now they lost big to Finland and lost big to Sweden. Um, you know, six, two to Finland four one to Sweden, but then they beat, beat up on, on Latvia and Latvia actually has a pretty good team. They have, you know, some former NHLers, they have good goaltending. Former um, not... teammate of mine, Andres Terence. Yeah. Yeah. And so, Andres. yeah. So we've got, so, so Slovakia is really good. The thing is, is that Germany is so disciplined. They are physical. They are, you know, I mean, the U.S. had to work for everything they got in their game. You know, the scoreline ended up looking closer than the game actually was. Uh, you know, I think that they they managed to get that that one back. And uh, but but I, I do think that um, you know Slovakia. That's a team you don't want to let get hot right now. They're being led by a 17 year old Uri Slavkovsky, who's going to be a top 10 pick in this year's yep. draft. Um, he has four of four goals so far um, in the in the tournament. And going into the game against Slovakia or against Latvia, he had all the goals for his team. They didn't have any nobody else that scored. But there are other guys on that roster like Peter Solarik, um, uh, you know, so that that if they get hot, you know, they they have a chance to do something special, um, you know. So that's a team that I would be concerned about too, even if I'm the U S and, and, you know, just because they do have a, a higher level of skill. Um, but, but, you know, that's, that's the thing where I think whether it's Slovakia or Germany, I think the U S will be, you know, favored in that game. And, and I think they match up well with both. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, that, that is to me, the, the premier, uh, the premier, qualification game but there are, you know i think there are some real interesting denmark gets latvia you get czechs versus swiss um and then you know canada versus china which we expect i think the other ones are toss-ups really and denmark has been that's another team where it's like they might they might be this year's germany where germany went on the went on the run in 2018 when they won the silver medal yep. denmark's got the goaltending sebastian dom and uh frederick Dikau. Uh, have been the the top, the two guys for them. They played really well, and then you you look at like Michael Bodker, who has been awesome in the tournament. Mm -hmm. I've liked the way that he's played. Um, they have a bunch of other guys that that have have experience, NHL experience, Nicholas Jensen, and some some others. And so they're actually a pretty quick team, and there'll be a tough out. Um, well, you yeah. mentioned the goaltending for Denmark, Chris, and yeah. outside of the USA, the, their combined save percentages is a ninety four. Uh, two and their goals against is a 2.02, right? You know, yeah. overall sitting just behind the U.S. and then yeah. comes Canada. 
Um, but going back to the German team, you know, between Tobias Ryder, um, Tom Kunakel, Toby Reader, uh, and Cahoon, you know, you have a lot yeah. of players that have recently been in the NHL. Um, yeah. Last and like year. you said, it, it's it, it's just going to be it's going to be a fun couple nights of hockey. It's a shame that the bean pot falls among this, right? I wish yeah. we had more time to watch because I haven't even been able to catch up um, with all of the Sabres games. And, and you know, Dwayne <laughs> does a great job holding the, the, the ship there, um, holding the fort there, which is part of my French. Um, yeah. But uh, it, it's been fun to see the Olympics. I had a question for you. Uh, one of our guests or one of our listeners asked us, asked me, uh, why, why, on, why isn't it on the NHL or the Olympic rink surface? Why is this tournament being played in the NHL surface? Is it because the Beijing rink, it was built for KHL specs? No. So actually here's, here's what it, here's what it is. I mean, basically the double IHF has made the decision to move to NHL surfaces going forward. So if you want to host a world championship, you got to host it on an NHL surface. And I, I'm not sure exactly when that starts, but you know, like in Finland, there are a lot of hybrid rinks. There are a lot of, um, you know, Finland and Sweden have some more hybrid rinks. I, I think those might fly. Um, but they they are what they want to move away from the Olympic size sheets. Uh, the the game, as they've discovered, and as as everyone you know, especially as the game has gotten faster, if you put it on the bigger ice, it slows it down and it it, yeah. it clogs it up and it makes it. You know, we used to think it was such free flowing. I think when the Soviets were playing, it was like you know, like they like when they could just go up and down the ice and just just dominate it and and but teams got so good like you look at the finlands of the world and they just collapse down between the dots and then there's nothing there for anybody to shoot at and then you're just playing from the perimeter of the whole game and it slows everything down so um so the ihf has made that determination that they want to go to 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 nhl sheets they basically said that this was going to be the first olympics where it was going to be required um so going forward when uh, the next winter olympics is in italy they'll have olympic they'll have uh, nhl sheets as well so um I think part of it is is that the IHF wants to see the game become more uniform across the across the world. Um, it, you know, you're in especially in their international tournaments and the quality of the games. You know, you look at what was the best Olympics ever. You know, 2010 was the best. It yep. was on, oh, it was on an right? by yep. far the best. Like because um, like even going back to Salt Lake City, Salt Lake City was on a was on an Olympic sheet. So yep. you know, 2010 was was the elite of the elite and it was the fastest most entertaining olympics i think and i, I think they realized that from there 2010 that was us canada gold medal game I believe it was right. yes yeah, yeah. So one of the one of the greatest one of the greatest olympic games in the history yeah. of of the tournament um, yeah and, and yeah. well and keep in mind and i know they brought this up on the broadcast the us beat canada in that olympics Meet in that game play. yeah right that was and I know it's crazy to draw comparisons about two different teams that don't have any of the same players, right? Or well, at least Eric Stahl, he was there, right? <laughs> yeah, he was there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but outside of that, you know, people trying to compare that to, to this. I mean, hey, it's it's a 60-minute game. Anything can happen. I, I like to see that the U.S. has put themselves in the best possible spot going forward. Um, wanted to pick your brain about one other thing. Outside of, you know, the U.S., you know, in, in Canada, like we've talked about, who presents the biggest challenge? Is it, is it Sweden? Is it Finland? Is it uh, ROC? Is it, is it an underdog in, in Denmark? 
uh, or Germany. Um, who do you see, you know, making that path? And I know it depends a lot on seeding and who wins what in, in, the, in the quarters and semis. Um, but who do, you, who do you ultimately seeing as the, as the final four? Well, uh, it's a, it's going to be tough. I think, I think no matter, I think Canada has got a good chance against Sweden. I don't love Sweden's roster. I think that they've, they've, they have some good, they've played better than I thought they would. Um, but you know, if Canada beats China, they have to play Sweden in the, in the quarters, that's going to be a tough matchup for them. Um, so that'll be interesting. I think ROC, I mean, as the defending gold medalist, this is not the same team. The, the team no. from 2018 was, was way better. Um, way better. Datsuk, Kovalchuk, but then they also had Kaprizov and Gusev. Gusev when Gusev was was Gusev. Um, he's, oh, yeah. he's, he's not anymore. And, and, and um, Kaprizov, that was the year before he came over. No, uh, a couple of years. Yeah. So well, I think he still had. Party, yeah, he still had a couple. Americans. He still had two. I think he still had two years in the cage on. And I was telling, I was telling anybody that would listen. I was like, this is the guy. Like he is the guy. He is going to put the hockey world special. on notice. You know, and he did, and he, and he, and he did, and he, and he, and he, he, both he and Gusev were awesome in that tournament, and um, you know, outplayed Datsuk and Kovalchuk. They were they were the difference makers for that team. But, but the thing is, the one thing about Finland, Finland is the more, I think the the most difficult team to play against because most of these guys have played together in multiple settings. They won a world championship without NHL players when there were NHL players in the worlds. Uh, this was two years ago um or three years ago uh and and a lot of those guys are are on this team i do think that they have a little less skill than they than they need to have um which is why roc is probably still even though i i think that they the u.s matches up extremely well with them um that'd still be tough so uh yeah but i would say i'm i still think to me the most cohesive team, the team that I think could present the biggest problems is probably Finland uh, just because of their structure and their, their, their experience. And they have a great coach in uh, Yuka Yelonen, who I think really could be one of those European coaches that NHL teams should be talking to um, because he, he gets the most out of, out of his teams every single time out. And um, so I do think Finland is a big threat to win gold here. I, I, I have to agree. Am I, am I, Kali, <laughs> you just, you just, he has so many questions. I love it. Um, no, w- one thing, actually, before I ask my question, one thing I want to, uh, just breaking news from Darren Drager, uh, Flames and Canadians working on a trade to send Tyler Toffoli, uh, nemesis of, uh, Jonathan Cullen over there, uh, to the Calgary Flames. No return really reported on yet. I'd imagine probably be like picks and picks or prospects, but, uh, that coming down from Darren Drager right now to Foley to Calgary imminent. Um, but one, one thing I did want to ask you, and I do agree, Finland's probably the biggest threat to, to the U S or Canada, you know, to get, you know, for that gold medal game. But uh, there's a lot of players, as Cully mentioned before, guys like Tobias reader, you know uh, you know, Dominic Cahoon and a guy that has some uh, Buffalo ties that both me and Cully, you know, Kenny Augustino, uh, you know, these guys are performing very well in this tournament, you know, guys who were on NHL contracts last year. I mean, I'm interested to see if their performance in this tournament, maybe get some, a ticket back into the NHL, uh, next year. I mean, your just thoughts on that, because this is a, obviously we were talking about opportunities. This is a very good opportunity for some of these kids to really get given an opportunity. They normally wouldn't have, 
yeah. uh, given the circumstances with the NHL and them not allowing the players to come over in the Olympics, the opportunity they normally wouldn't have to perform uh, on this on this stage, maybe get the, get get a job in the NHL or at least in the AHL. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's certainly the potential to for some of those guys to to have another look. I mean, I think that more more than likely NHL teams are going to use those those. Um, contracts on younger free agents um you know just because of the contract limits i think it'd be really difficult for guys like a, like a kenny agostino or like andy mealy has been one of usa's best players the in these tournaments and um you know and certainly the captain but i mean just such dictating the pace and 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 being a difference maker playing physically and you know but i i think that the those guys probably wouldn't get offers that are better than what they're getting in the KHL right now. Um, because I think most of them would, it would be like AHL only contracts. And mm -hmm. in some cases you could, in some cases you get in, in some cases you just want to come back to the U S so, yeah. um, you know, and I haven't, there are certainly some guys on the Russian team that are like free agents that are, that are, that, that people will be looking at. And, and I think a few of the, the European players, I haven't seen necessarily anyone on North America, uh, on the North American teams that, that would, be able to seize an NHL contract off of their performance here. Um, though I would say uh, the one other guy that I think has been exceptional is Steven Kampfer, um, who, who is, you know, been a big minutes guy for USA. And I think looks like an NHL defenseman in this tournament. Um, but it's, yeah, I think, I think, but then you look at like, there are free agents on USA that are young guys like Ben Myers, like Ben Myers is going to have 25 NHL teams that want to sign him after, yeah. after his college season is over. Yeah. And, you know, Mark McLaughlin will have not as many, but he'll have teams that want to sign him. And, um, you know, even Strauss man, the, the free agent goalies had a great year. So yeah. I would love to see Buffalo take a flyer on Strauss man, former Michigan goaltender. He was a captain for Michigan too. Uh, kind of abruptly left the program. Um, you know, to go pursue a professional career career uh, over in Europe, but guys had a phenomenal year over there, and you know had a phenomenal year, you know, career at Michigan before he decided to leave. Like, and a team like Buffalo who is struggling to find consistency in net and dealing with so many injuries, just I wouldn't mind seeing Buffalo take a flyer on that guy. Yeah, I think I, I if I'm NH, especially with the way that the goaltending has kind of um, been in flux this year, and we, you know. I'll tell you one thing. So we saw Zane McIntyre got signed by the, uh, by the Minnesota wild earlier this year, um, right before the Olympics, actually, had he not signed, he would have been USA's goalie at the Olympics. Yeah. Uh, every indication that I've heard from multiple sources say that he would have been so, but that's, that, that just goes to show you that there was such a desperate need for goalies that teams, you know, signing guys that were kind of out of the loop or, you know, and McIntyre was on an AHL only deal. So McIntyre comes in and, you know, but guys like that, I think like Strauss man is, is the kind of guy where he's won at every level he's been at, you know, he's been, an, he's been an elite goalie. Um, he, does he, he's not big. He's not as technically sound as like you watch Drew Camesso play and you watch Strauss man play in back-to-back -back games and you say, okay, well, Camesso looks like an NHL goalie. Strauss man, not as much, but he is, you look at his track record. He won a Clark Cup in the USHL. He had a 930 save percentage or greater in his last two collegiate seasons. He already has a 921 in the games uh, in sweet uh, in the SHL. So that is a very interesting player that I think teams wanted to see do it at the pro level. There's a reason he didn't get an NHL contract last year. They didn't believe that he 
could do it, even though he's proven it at multiple levels before. And now he's doing it at the professional level. So I would be stunned if he doesn't at least get an AHL contract out of this season. Um, but I do think there will be some teams that could offer him a two-way. I, I wanted to pivot really quickly to the, to the women's final. Sure. Um, coming up, I, I believe it's Wednesday night, 11 p.m., um, which is doable. Not 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 thrilled about it um, for us parents out there uh, that have to wake up at 530. Um, one question I had for you. Coming in, I was a big Madison Rooney fan after seeing her heroics in the shootout last time around. Um, you know, I know that she didn't not, – not to say that she didn't have a good game. I don't think she's the reason they lost. I think you take away that three- or four-minute lapse where Canada got three quick goals, right? Um, but Cavallini, I hope I'm saying that right. Yep. Um, she's been given the nod, and she came up big uh, against the Czechs. And then the semifinals against Finland, um, she went 25 out of 26 uh, for a 961 save percentage. Um, and when you put her two games together, she's at a 954. Um, she's got – you got to think that they that – they, she at least has the edge over Rooney, right? Or yeah. Or do they go back yeah. to their golden girl in Madison Rooney? I, to me, it doesn't make sense. I think you stick with a hot hand. Just your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think that they'll. I I think they kind of went in with an idea that it could be Cavallini that would be the starter, and then you know they gave Rooney a couple of games, and she had she she looked pretty good. And really, in the preliminary round, they played all three of their goaltenders. Nicole Hensley also got an opportunity, and um, you know the thing is, is that I, I I think that nobody is playing at the level that Maddie Rooney did in um, in 2018, um, but. Cavallini is probably the closest to it. And she also was kind of the, they were, they, they, she, she was on the team in 2018, but didn't play at all. And, and so she's getting this opportunity. She's, she's older than Rooney. She's been around a lot longer. She's been part of this process. Um, you know, even going back, she was drafted by the Chicago steel in the USHL. Um, what, you know, so that's going way back, but um, you know, and when, when her last name was Rigsby, um, but yeah, but now married to, a, uh, I think it's Aiden Cavallini for, who played at Wisconsin and they both played at Wisconsin. Uh, and, and so, but she is, uh, she is a really, she's a gamer. Um, she's been through it. That experience I think helps, um, you know, Rooney got the game against Canada. Didn't go so well. I think that this is going to be, you know, Alex, Alex Cavallini's net and that she, she's going to need to have the game of her life uh, because I'll be completely honest with you that this Canadian team uh, on paper in every game I've watched is so far and away the best team um, in this tournament. They have more speed, they have more strength and they certainly have more skill. And, and you look at the, the way that they've scored, um, the dominance that they've shown against the weaker teams. And, and then also even, you know, USA outshot Canada in the preliminary round game pretty significantly, almost two to one. And it still Canada has better finish. Uh, they get to the middle better. They have more weapons overall. And so that puts a lot of stress on the goaltender. And Alex Cavallini is absolutely capable of stealing a game. I think she's going to have to steal a game in this gold medal game if USA is going to going to win it because we've watched all these games that they played. I still haven't seen one where I said they they're they're on they're on it like they were in 2018. 
the Canadians first in scoring efficiency, first in power play, second in penalty kill, second in save percentage. And that's where it, it leads me to, to um, I hope I pronounced this right, Anne Renee Debien. Um, she looked great in that win against the U.S. Um, she's got a 1.75 goals against average. She's got four wins, uh, a 936 save percentage. Like, she's been great um, when I saw her play. You'd have to think that she's in net for the gold medal game. Um, your thoughts there? Who has the edge in, in, in pipes? I mean, Canada, Canada and Debian is, uh, Debian has been awesome. She didn't have a great game. I watched the, the, the semifinal against, uh, Switzerland. She let in some, some goals where she was down a little early and, and, you know, uh, Switzerland caught her up top and, but Debian quite, you know, she is legit. Um, she's, she was an elite college goalie. She has been, you know, kind of the go-to goalie for them, um, in the last few years. And now she's, she's a 94, you know, so she's been around and she's been waiting for this opportunity. And for, so 27 years old, she gets the opportunity to be the star. She's been behind Shannon Zabados for, for years and years. And now she gets this chance and, you know, she, she was, went undefeated at the world championship last year, won the gold medal. She's got that 936 save percentage, as you mentioned this year, she was lights out in the pre-tournament games against the U S um, you know, she, she just, she has the experience. She has the, she has the polish. And that is certainly to me an advantage for Canada going into this gold medal game is that, that seven, of the two out of, she's great. Yeah. seven out of the top eight scorers for the, the women's hockey tournament are Canadians. And all seven of those players have above 10 points. Um, that's, that's scary to look at. Scary. They, they take over from Sarah Nurse to Marie-Philippe Poulin to Natalie Spooner to Brianne Jenner to Claire Thompson to Sarah Fillier. Um, and then you have Rebecca Johnson rounding it out. Like, that's the depth you're referring to. And to me, like, it, they that's a, that's a win-by-committee team. Um, yes. You know, you can put whoever you want in net. Um, mm -hmm. But when you have that, that group in front of you, you, you saw the resiliency. It looked like um, America came out to a hot start. Uh, but then they just slowly wore them down and yep. you saw, you saw the, the skill shine through. Um, I, I, it's, it's going to be tough for the U S women to, to yep. pull this out against such a, you know, it's, it, the team's got depth. They got the star power um, and, and, and the injury um, I'm sorry to the U S um, one of their best players. It, her name's Blake. Brianna Hall. Decker. Yeah. Brianna Decker. Yeah. Stud uh, player for her to go down, Dwayne. That's a big loss yeah. for the U.S. Um, can that be? You know, you hate to say an X factor be a, a player that's not playing, but you know, could that be it? And it, it may as well be. Yeah, it it could be. And I'll I'll tell you what. Here's here's what the difference is between. 2018 and this year um, because I think that the 2018 team it's 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 really shocking to me how much better that team was than this team um, and in so many different facets of the game because you would think that as they get younger and as USA has kind of been a dominant team at the world championships the women's world under 18s that the gap would widen um, it hasn't and in, in fact it's gone the other way and so in 2018 
you know, there's no Megan Duggan anymore. There's no Lamaru twins. There's no Casey Bellamy. They are missing some of their most senior players that were stabilizing forces. Then you lose Brianna Decker to injury and you lose one of your best offensive players. Um, You know, I think she's one of the best players in the world and has been for maybe 15 years. And Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately not able to play. And now, you know, you're, you're, you're back to square one. So this team has really lacked an identity, you know, like who is the go-to Hillary Knight has played really well. Kendall Coyne Schofield has played really well, but nobody has taken the reins and said, this is my tournament. Great ambassadors for, for the game, for sure. But like you said, that no one's really, you know, stepped, stepped in front, you know, and said, you know, I'll put this on my shoulders and I'll carry the load, you know, like a Brianna Decker could have been. It was such a devastating injury too. For, yeah. You know, you know, it, you know, you saw the outpouring of support, uh, especially when she posted that one picture of her in the brace, you know, like, yeah. you know, you know, good to see the support. And one, one, two things. First thing I want to say is there was a writer and I forget what, what her name was, but they essentially said that women's hockey shouldn't be at the Olympics because it's always just two same two teams. Like first off, excuse language, but fuck off. Like yeah. seriously, seriously done a really good job of, of, of making everybody more. Yeah. Better. But here's the thing, like these women, no matter what team you represent, you were working your ass off your entire life just to have the opportunity to represent your country, which is an honor in itself on this stage. Like, no right. matter what you want to say about the men's tournament and saying the best of the best aren't there for, for, because of COVID reasons, but the best of the best of the women are there and they work their, they've worked their entire lives just for this one opportunity. And some of them, this opportunity might only come one time. So right. to sit there and make such a, an ignorant statement like that drives me absolutely insane. And the second thing is it is official Tyler Toffoli to the flames and the return. Just give me one moment. Um, the return is a first, a fifth, Emil Heineman and Tyler Pitlick to Montreal for Tyler Toffoli, which is a huge return. And that is why Johnny Cullen hates Tyler Toffoli right there. The story about Within that. Within two seconds of this really quick story. It's Teddy Bear Toss night. It's on a sports net game. You see me. I am trying to fight over the, 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 the secondary screen. Toffoli's about half a second away from going one T chat on me. That was the Sean Monahan, Tyler Toffoli, Shaw, Shane Prince line. Um, thank you for putting that up, Dwayne. Appreciate that. Um, <laughs> gotta love to see Cully about to get scored on. Um, that's an interesting return. I I, I want to say it's the same Tyler Pitlick I played with in the Ivan Holinka tournament way back when, originally an Edmonton pick. Um, could be wrong. Is that something yep, about nope, you're right? You're right. That's yeah, that's right. So uh, you know, he was a good guy. Um but um, what's it called? What I was going to get at the back to the women's really quick. Um, we, we heard a lot about face-offs in, in the first game um, from Abby Roke. Rook, rock. Is that how I'm saying yep. it? Rock. Yeah. And she is in the top five um, for all face-off leaders. Um, she is 34 um, out of 54. And, and I know her numbers have dipped a little bit, but um, she, you know, it could come down to, you know, Marie-Philippe Poulin is the only Canadian above her, right? Um, yeah. You look at the other two above her, Elena Mueller from, from the Swiss and Lee Mai from China. I don't think they're going to be threats in, in, in the game. But, you know, if the U.S. is to win, it, it comes down to being able to get possession at those crucial moments to shut down a good power play in the Canadian women's team. Yeah. Um, Dwayne, I wanted to transition really quick to just – pick Chris's brain about uh, 
the the top prospects coming up. Um, sure, and you, sure. Well, that's with the um, NHL. One, one, um, one last thing, real quick. Couple of clicks for Abby Rock becoming the first Indigenous women, uh, woman, sorry, to uh, score a point in the Olympics. Uh, absolutely unbelievable, you know, accomplishment, and just really goes to show how far the game's coming. Uh, you know not just the women's game, but just the game overall. So a couple of clicks for her. That's awesome. Um, I know they had not, I think she had a goal today against, uh, was it against Finland? Was it a goal or just an assist? Uh, goal. She had, she had, goal, she's, yeah, she, uh, yeah, she scored an empty netter. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Right at the end. Yeah. Um, and again, Hillary Knight becoming uh, second leading uh, all time in Olympic scoring. Uh, also awesome for her passing. Um, I have her name, uh, Natalie uh, Darowitz with yep. uh, 26. So good for her. Absolutely awesome. Team USA all the way, baby. Um, yeah, pull that out. Also, also, yeah, I want to pick your brain on the prospects, but also uh, before we, if you don't mind, Cully, just the performance oh, cool. of Owen Power. So yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's been interesting. Canada has been able to really – uh, even out their their ice time, but still own power is the number one defenseman. And, you know, I, that that's no surprise. He's the best player, you know, best, mo- best most talented player on the team. Um, I, I think he's been fine. Like, you know, it, it hasn't, uh, he hasn't been, you know, earth shatteringly good. He hasn't been bad at all. He's just kind of been fine. And I think that that's kind of what you could say for a lot about Canada. He's, he's, he's handling himself well. I think the, the, where you start to notice him is when he's got the puck on his stick on the offensive blue line and he's, he's walking the line, he's making plays, he's getting pucks deep. He's, you know, and he, he's, he's doing, doing well in that regard. You know, I thought that there have been a, a couple instances where we've seen him get knocked around a little bit more, more than normal, because there have been some really physical games, um, especially against the U S uh, that was a game where I did not feel he had his best. Um, he was fine. It wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, he got overwhelmed. It just, you know, it, the the U.S. just made things more difficult on the defense, and that's part of what their speed has done so far in the tournament. But, I mean, you look at what Owen Power has done throughout this entire season, and he's a step ahead of where he was last year. He's progressing in a, in a way that says he's going to be able to make an NHL impact on day one. Um, it's going to, you know, you look at what Moritz Sider has been doing for the for the the, the Detroit Red Wings. I'm not saying that Owen Power is going to have that that similar impact because Moritz Sider is a year older than Owen Power will be when he gets there. Um, you know, so he's he's actually had two years out post draft outside of the NHL. Um, you know, Owen's going to have one, but I, I mean, I think he's he's NHL ready. He should be able to play games this spring as soon as Michigan's season is over, and then you know move on from that. So. Uh, he is he is certainly on the right track, and and I think that you know if Canada is going to win, he's going to be a huge part of it, um, he, just as he was at the World Championship last year when they won. So, um, yeah, I mean you, you can't say enough about him. The skill level and the and the and the potential that he has is is really special. There's a there's a, a desperate need here in Buffalo uh, for another uh, another consistent right-handed shot defenseman. Obviously, uh, with him uh, being a left-handed shot is. Do you see him as a guy? I know some defensemen are very versatile like that. Do you see him as being a guy that can play either side if you need him to? Yeah, he, I'm sure he could. You know, I think I've, I've seen him play both sides before when when they've had had a need at Michigan. Um, you know, I think ideally you'd like to like to be able to play him, especially in his rookie year, on a strong side and um, have that one-two punch. 
Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, to have him and, and Darlene long-term, like I still am a huge Darlene believer. I, I think that things are going to get there. Um, it's, it's, it's going to take a little more time, but what he has more help on the back end, it's going to be, I think things could open up for him. Especially in that. Me and Dwayne yeah. had this conversation, Chris, and as, as skilled and as talented and as much as Darlene is a franchise changing player. He's not what you would think of when you think of the face of the franchise, right? Cause he tends to want to stay out of the spotlight. And I think the emergence of Owen power is only going to help Darlene in that sense. Um, in the sense that, you know, he's, he's not, he's not going to be relied on as heavily, but he's still going to be getting, you know, top four minutes where, you know, now he might be getting more favorable matchups for his offense to leak out. Um, and I think that'll only help. Um, and, 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 uh, and you're looking at a man in Owen power. Um, when we interviewed him before the draft, um, you could just see it in the way that he carried himself, um, and, and, and seeing what he's done since, uh, it's been really interesting to see. Um, so I, I think that'll help. What your thoughts on, on that, the, the, the emergence of Owen power, maybe helping Darlene, um, kind of come into his own more and not having all the pressure on the back end on him. Yeah, it, it helps a lot. I mean, I think you look at what happened with Rasmus Ristolainen and where he was on an island and he had to play so many minutes and mm-hmm. that wasn't best for him. You know, he wanted to play the minutes, but it what it, it didn't work. It wasn't good. It wasn't good for him. It certainly wasn't good for the Sabres. And and I, I think he's a he's a guy that was, you know, we talk about prospects not working out so much, and so often it's circumstantial. So often it is, it comes down to what is, you know, what was the development plan? Who was available? Like how, how many minutes did they play? What was the opportunity like? So for Rasmus Dahlin, he's, he's kind of been in that similar situation for these last few years. Now the pressure comes off a little bit and yeah, and you're exactly right. You get to, you get to work those matchups a little bit differently. You don't have to rely on him as heavily. And some guys need to play more minutes to be more effective. Some guys are going to be more effective in, in lower minutes. We don't know what that's going to be until we see it. Um, but, but I do think that having another big time defenseman there, uh, a guy that will re- acquire attention from the other team, even as a rookie is going to be really good for Rasmus Dahlin. And it's only going to help open things up for him. I still think that he's got a long way to go before he reaches the ceiling. I, I agree. And um, for all the ignorant fans out there that are, are, you know, coming down hard on, on this kid, he really is still a kid. You got to remember that, he 21. came in as what a 17, 18 year old in the NHL. Yeah. Right. So he's still growing into the defenseman. He'll become uh, a guy that listed Nick Lindstrom as, as somebody he'd like to play like and somebody that he grew up watching. And um, you know, it took Nick Lindstrom time. Obviously he's a specimen. He's a weapon. He might be the best of all time in my, in my era, but um, you know, Transferring away from that, I know Dwayne had some some questions about the Sabres pipeline. Um, I wanted to quickly ask you, because I know your work in the past with the prospects for the draft, um, you know, obviously some shutdowns here and there. This draft has been the Shane Wright sweepstakes for the past three years now, or maybe four, ever since he got exceptional status. He's playing for my, um, you know, my former team in the Kingston Frontenacs. Um the second place, um, I don't want to say the second place, but, um, you know, Matthew Savoy has been somebody from the Winnipeg Ice that's been been highly touted. Uh, and you go down the list. Logan Cooley. Um, 
you know, any any other names that stick out that, that you think that are going to be top five picks that have a really strong chance of being, you know, NHL first team all pros, you know? Yeah. I mean, well, you know, I, I, in my midterm draft rankings, I had Logan Cooley number one um, on I my list and yeah. And, uh, and, and uh, it's so drive. thin. Yeah. It's so thin, like between, between those two guys, like it, it took me a long time to get there. I had been on the right train and I still could get it back on it. It's just, you know, I, my concern is, you know, we've looked over the years and it was interesting. I actually saw in 32 thoughts that there was a note about how Shane Wright, you know, like everybody gets picked apart. And the two, the two players that Elliot mentioned in 32 thoughts were John Tavares and, and Jason Spezza, two guys that were just highly touted for years and years. And they got picked apart. Well, they also aren't the best players in their draft class in, in their careers. Kovalchuk was, you know, if, you know, Spezza has the longer career, but Kovalchuk had the more impactful yeah. career. And then Tavares versus Hedman has been a debate for years and years. And I think that Hedman is winning that debate at this point with, with his multiple Norris trophies, Stanley Cups and, and everything else. So, you know, but at the same time, Shane Wright is an elite talent. I mean, and, and the, the two, the thing about um, the, the two of those guys like Cooley and, and, and Wright is they don't play the same way. Cooley's the more dynamic, quicker player. He has, he has speed. I think he plays the modern NHL game very well. Wright is more of a calculating hockey sense uh, centered um, guy who, who can really shoot the puck. So I really like Logan Cooley. I think that I, I keep going back and forth even still. I think like right after I filed my draft rankings, uh, Shane Wright had like a four assist game, like right off the, like, I was like, there, there it is. You know, he's, he's reading your articles, Chris. He's exactly. I hope he right. is. And like, I don't mind being, I don't like, I'm not somebody that has to be right. Like, you know, if I, if I, if, if Shane Wright can prove me wrong that I, that I misranked him, then I'm fine with that. And I'll fix that when we get to the, to the end of the season. But I felt at this point of the season, my biggest concern with Shane Wright is he missed an entire year of hockey and it's showing this year. And that I, I did showing across the OHL. It's showing across. You're exactly right, Cully. You're exactly Damn right. Shame it, too. It is, and it's unfortunate that it went that way. But but you're looking at guys that that missed that year. Now there are some guys that have handled it better. You look at Pavel Mintukov over in Saginaw. He's been the best, one of the best defensemen in the OHL this year. He's my top defenseman in the OHL ranked ranking wise, and that's over a guy like a Ty Nelson who was the number one overall OHL pick and, and is a really good player and is having a good season with North Bay. But, you know, that's, that's just where we're at right now with, with this season is that, and I think that this year is tougher than last year was. And that's even with guys that didn't play, like it was easy when guys didn't play. It's just like, well, we're going to have to go off of the previous season, or we're just going to have to say too big a risk, not going to deal with it. This year, you've got guys that missed last season and aren't playing up to their standard this year. And now you have to say, is that going to continue or is this a blip in the radar? Is this did they did that lost year of development knock Shane Wright off of his trajectory? That's what I want to know. Did it knock any of these other players off of their trajectories? And at, at this point, I couldn't tell you because it's unprecedented. We've never seen something like that before. So that's where this draft year is very tricky. Um, there's a lot of good players. Savoy, who you Brad mentioned. Lambert? I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, Brad, Brad Lambert. I mean, he's he's not had a good year. Um, he's a guy that I think is full of risk. He is an electric skater. He has good skill. Very perimeter player. Um, Why and, didn't he leave his old team? 
Well, he, he wasn't getting the opportunity uh, and he wasn't getting uh, he, he's on his third team in three years. Like, I mean, yeah. you know, that's that, and that, that's a red flag for me. Um, Cully, you know, Cully was on his third team. I played yeah, for but, in four years. Well, that's a yeah. Major red flag. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, but I mean like, and it's, and it's moves being in, in, in Finland. I, I think it's great that they, when they have young players, they want to put their young players in the best possible situations. And, and there's not a lot of oversight, you know, or, or interference from the national governing body. But in a situation like Brad Lambert, they're saying, you should probably trade him. He's a really important player for our country. We need him to get better. Um, and so he goes to Lati, which is where he grew up. Um, you know, so that's his home club. That's one of the reasons why he's there. And they're also a, a more competitive team. However, he made the move over there in the games that I've seen that he played there, much of the same. Um, so he has tumbled down the draft rankings. I have him outside. He's, he's more in the 15 to 20 range for me right now. Um, and I love the skating. I love the skill. I have questions about the hockey sense, and I have questions about the competitiveness. He has know, the tool. Level. I love that answer. He, yeah. he has the tools, but is it, there's a question of whether or not he can get them all in the toolbox. Right, exactly. I mean, and, he, and he's another guy where – we have these guys where we think about them for years and years and we never want to move them off of where they're at. And if you, if you aren't critically thinking about those players, just as much as you are the guys that, that weren't on your board that high at the end, then you're, you're, you're not doing it right. So you, that's where we're at. Do you see the top two of this draft? Obviously, like you said, Shane Wright, Logan, I'm a big Logan Cooley guy. I love Logan Cooley. Maybe it's my bias uh, for the NTDP program, you know, you know, coming out of that, coming out of there. Um, I, you know, again, I think that Montreal is clear, clearly ahead in, you know, uh, <laughs> predict predictions to win the uh, draft lottery. Um, and I think that just going based off what the fan base would want, maybe what that organization want, you see them hiring Martin St. Louis as the head coach. I think if they win that, it's Shane Wright, you know, a hundred times out of a going away. No question. Yeah, especially, you know, I don't see them picking Logan Cooley. Which for a team like Buffalo in Buffalo's case, like maybe a guy like Logan Cooley could fall to you because I, I I got a feeling Buffalo will be drafting in the top three, top five again this season. And, you know, I don't mind it. This is a year for Buffalo where, you know, it's a really about individual development, not about results. And you see a lot of these players for Buffalo that have really uh, outperformed expectations. Your Tage Thompson, who up until a calendar year ago, like, you know, we all gave up on, you know, Casey Middlestad has really come a long way when he's healthy. I think he's turned into the Buffalo's best 200 foot uh, hockey player uh, down the middle. And, you know, again, you know, I, Victor Olsen has dropped off a lot, but Rostas Dahlin has really turned it around under, under uh, Don Granado. Uh, Jeff Skinner is turning into a, a, a pos 35 goal scorer, you know, plus goal scorer again, had four yesterday. Um, four goals yesterday and it always helped the, the season numbers the four goal games oh yeah for sure for sure he was on pace for 30 even before that 60 point season i, I, I would have never believed you if you'd have told me jeff skinner was on pace for 60 points this season without jack eichel you know that which is insane to even think of but he is and you know that maybe that is the don granado effect another guy who came out of the u.s national development program you know helping develop young hockey players but you know, Logan Cooley is a guy I look at. I like. I I I would salivate at the mouth if somehow if Buffalo was in the top three and they had an opportunity to draft that kid because I personally think he is the best player in the draft. And I compare these two players, not maybe side by side the players, but it's a lot like the Lafreniere draft, in my opinion. You know, you know, everyone had Lafreniere 
as your clear cut number one. And I personally didn't believe that myself. And I, uh, you know, I, I, I would love the opportunity to see them take a, take a Logan Cooley. If, 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 if he were to drop to them at say a two or probably not, not, not going three, but. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think, um, Logan Cooley is on the Jack Hughes path, you know, like he's not as, he's not at that level. Um, he's not, at the, he's not at the same, but like, you know, undersized center with, with electric skill and, and oh. skating ability and that, and that for him, you know, I, I do think he can still be a number one center at that. And, and that's one of the things where I was like, you know, I, the, the dynamic elements of his game make me believe that he could be a more productive player in the NHL. Um, and, and so that's going to be interesting to watch, but yeah, but I mean, I think if you get Logan Cooley there, you know, depending on where the Sabres end up, there's also a couple of right shot defensemen out there and Simon Nemitz and, and David Juracek, who you could potentially look at as, as, you know, shoring up that right side of the D and, um, there, there's going to be, there's going to be good options at the top of this draft. I think in the lottery, you want to be in the lottery, you, you know, because I think the drop-off is significant after that. Um, I think it starts going down. You know, and this is every draft. I mean, it goes down after two. It goes down after three. It goes down, you know, so it's just kind of, that's kind of where it goes. And uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. The real the real sweepstakes is the following year for Connor Bedard. That's big that's time. Sweepstakes. Yeah. Is and it, then if you, and then the if year you're willing after, to wait. Musty, and that's that's yeah. Musty's draft. I'm, I'm, I'm friends with Musty's family. They, they, they're right here from in Hamburg, New York. I, I, I was able to skate with him in the summer and train with his, his sister, um, who's, who's an up and coming, um, you know, Olympic girls goalie prospect. Um, so it'll be interesting to see there. Uh, I believe Musty is a part of the, uh, Bedard draft, correct? I think that's right. Yeah. 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 The, uh, he went first overall to Sudbury this year, which would make right. him draft eligible a second year in the OHL. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's an 05. Yeah. So he's, um, yeah. And that's, yeah, he's a really interesting player. Obviously, you know, I think to to be to be an American kid to go, you know, go high in the OHL draft, and um, you know, he's off to a pretty good pretty good start to his OHL career as well. And yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot. I think that the Connor Bedard and then Matt Mitchkov and and Adam Fantilli, who who gets forgotten, but is the Chicago Steel. Uh, he's playing for the Chicago Steel in the USHL this year and is, is putting up historic numbers for a player his age. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of, probably will go down as one of the most talented players that, that that played in that league outside of the national team development program. So it's um, crazy to yeah. see what Ryan Hardy's done with the Chicago Steel over the past four years, is it not? Oh yeah, it's. I mean, well, that's why he got hired by the Leafs. Like they're the, you know, it's. Oh, so he's he not there up. anymore. I missed that. He's, no, yeah, he's he's with the Maple Leafs now, but he, you know he was part of bringing in Fantilli and, and bringing in those players. And I think that part of it was, you know, there, there, there was such a, an emphasis on development and making sure that, you know, it helps when you have a deep pocketed owner to Larry Robbins, who owns the team um, invested money into making that team better and, and in, invested in his it players, shows. which I think is, is not common necessarily at that level. Um, you know, they, they worked with, uh, stride envy and Daryl Belfry and all these other people that, that, that kind of work with the best of the best. And, um, it, it, it has definitely shown and they, they built some really good teams. Like right now they have Jackson Blake, who's one of the best players in the USHL drafted by, uh, Carolina. And, um, you know, they, they've got other players, Joe Miller drafted by the Leafs. They, there's, there's, it's a good team. It's a really good quick team. And it's always going to be quick tidbit about that. Daryl Belfry. Uh, back in the day, before his national, you know, rise to being one of the top skills coaches, 
he used to do skills clinics right out of Fort Erie. You remember that, Dwayne? I uh, yep. used to work with Kim Kennedy, and I was lucky enough where as a 91 birth year, I was able to stay out with the 90s, the 89s, the 88s, the 87s. And when the 88s and 87s, really strong age groups out of Southern Ontario and Buffalo, did a lot for me. Um, and it's funny because Daryl Belfry is a goalie, was a goalie. And now he's one of the, you know, premier skills coach that works with Austin Matthews, that works with all these guys. And I can tell you what an impact he had on me at such a young age. And you could see, and, you know, back then, you know, him working with a guy like Pat Kane, you know, Pat Kane would have probably been successful no matter what, but to have him have Daryl Belfry as your skills coach, you know, from when you were nine to when you left the, the program uh, at, or the, for London uh, at 15, you know, says a lot. My last question um, is, is about Ryan Johnson, uh, the university of Minnesota defender. Um, you know, there's been, Oh, we, we traded it. No, no, we still have him. Um, yeah. I, I yeah. at his youth team, Anaheim Junior Ducks. It screwed me up. Um, he won the World Juniors. Okay. Um, it looks like he did. He win a um, um, an NCAA title. No, they won the uh, they won the Big Tw- the Big Ten last year. Um, but yeah, but they're I get confused looking at his elite prospect. Yeah. Anyways, he's a guy that um, you know when we drafted, you know, we knew he would take time to develop. Um, you know, his numbers are starting to come around. Um, he, you know, he's, you know, over 30 games, um, this year, two goals, 14, uh, assists, 16 points. Uh, and you know, he's a plus five, uh, looks a lot like, um, you know, what he did the year before, but what, what's his ceiling? Is he somebody that still projects to be an NHL defenseman? NHL, yes, but I would say bottom pairing probably. Um, you know, there's uh, he's a he's a brilliant skater. He's 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 a he's a really good defender. Um, you know, the offensive game has come, but not a lot. Um, and uh, he moves pucks up ice well. I just, you know, it's very difficult to have a, a guy that's in your top four that doesn't produce and doesn't yeah. really seem to have like an offensive that. sense to his game, you know, like it's, it's just like, you know, there's, there's not a ton of creativity, but he is a, a brilliant skater. He's got strength. He's got size. I thought he could have been in the mix for this Olympic team. You know, I thought that there was a possibility just because of his world junior experience, but defensively uh, Minnesota this year has, has struggled. Um, you know, I think that, that they haven't been as consistent as a team which is interesting uh, because I thought that coming into the season, they were going to have one of the best decors in the country and that hasn't really borne out this year. Uh, but that said, you know, I think that he is getting there. Um, you know, is he, he, I'm not sure really what the plan is going to be for Buffalo because he's a junior and a lot of guys sign after that third year. Um, he needed the third year. He's progressed a little I haven't seen him take a gigantic step forward from his, his, you know, you look at some of the guys and it's not fair to, to, to compare him to like a Jake Sanderson or an Owen power who were high draft picks. But even if you look at some of the guys that were kind of drafted later or, you know, a Brock Faber, who is a second round or second round pick um, who's on the same team at Minnesota, he's taken a huge step every single year and, and, and is a, a more, imp- and he's on the Olympic team now. Um, and he's also playing more minutes than anybody else on the Olympic team. So it's just kind of 
it, when you have those guys to compare to Ryan Johnson, you know, you're like, wow, you know, it's, it's not good there. So I think in the end, he's not the kind of guy that you would normally get with a first round pick, but if you get an everyday NHLer out of that at, at the bottom of the first round, I think you're, you're not, you don't love it, but you're happy about it because you, yeah. you obviously want to find guys that are going to be big impact players in the first round. Uh, but you know, take the numbers away really, you know, take the number, take, if you take the number away from his name and not 31st overall, if he goes a, that, that particular year, one pick later, you know, he's a second round draft pick and the, the pressure is a lot less. So, yeah. uh, yeah. So I think it, it'll, it'll be, it'll be fine for him. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Like Ryan Johnson has always been in the conversation with Sabres fans again, as a guy who you could see possibly being like a, a good third pairing defenseman. Like you said, I mean, a penalty killer, uh, not a guy who's going to give you much offensive upside. Um, a couple guys I did want to ask you before we let you go here. Uh, another Minnesota player, Aaron Huglin. Uh, obviously, many remember him scoring that highlight goal in the Helinka the Helinka Gretzky Cup. He pulled the Michigan, I believe, it was against Team Canada. It was, yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In, uh, controversial yeah. game where Canada's goal shouldn't have counted. Shouldn't yeah, have counted. Exactly. Yeah. Dylan Cousins too, I believe, scored the goal. Um, the, the game winner, the game winner, the game tire, but tying goal, but that was a crazy him, game. Him, yeah. Matthias Samuelson, who's made his way onto Buffalo's roster, who's played very well, big defenseman who, you know, I'm excited to see, you know, you know, further his career in Buffalo. And then, uh, Eric Portillo at Michigan, a guy, a lot of the talk in Buffalo is Devin Levi and rightfully so. But if you're asking me to rank my, my goaltenders here and, you know, I, again, he's been on the show with us before too. Uh, Eric has, um, I, I like Eric Eric's game a little bit more because he, he's he, he he has a lot of athleticism, but you just can't teach size. And this kid is huge, and he takes up a lot of net. And I just see him as being a guy. I know he's got like a nine twenty save percentage or lower in the twos goals against. Obviously not to the level of uh, of Levi at Northeastern, but just a guy who you know has really taken the reins after Strauss Mann has left the program uh, for Europe. And has played very, very well for for Michigan this year. Just your thoughts on those guys as well. Yeah, so let's just start with Huglin, Huglin first because he, I, you know, he he basically lost an entire year he had to injury. Um, he was out for the entire 2019-20 season. Only got into 39 games last year with Fargo, so he was still you know still recovering. And this year he's played 28 games. He only has nine points. Don't look at the point total. Look at the fact that he's playing. He's back. He's a highly skilled player. He's got a lot of uh, time yet to develop. He's, you know, he's a, he's, 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 uh, he needs to bulk up. He needs to get stronger. Those are the types of things, but he's got plenty of time to do that. And I think he's a guy that I expect to take a really big step in terms of production and everything next year. His role is going to increase. Uh, highly skilled, highly creative player that I, I really like quite a bit. Um, you know, get, going to Samuelson. I've always liked Matias Samuelson a lot. I think that he has been, uh, he's the kind of guy that could have a really long career. He's not going to be a, a, a guy that is a star. He's not going to be, you know, he might not even be a fan favorite. He might be a guy that, that the fans want to pile up on just because he's the, that, that steady, reliable defenseman that's physical, um, doesn't produce a ton. But I think he's, you know, He's a long-term NHL defenseman, a guy that's going to play, and maybe he and Ryan uh, Ryan Johnson could play together, kind of in the in the bottom pairing for a long time. But uh, but I, I like him a lot. Um, you know the, the the aggressiveness that he plays with. Um, Portillo is is having a phenomenal year. Um, Michigan has been really good. I think that you're 
you know, you, you never really know for sure what you're going to get when you have a guy that kind of had to sit as an understudy last year behind Strauss man. And um, he's taken the reins and he's been outstanding. I think the upside is, is phenomenal. He's an athletic goaltender. He's got that, you know, he's definitely got that size, got, got the size. He's quick. Um, you know, he doesn't give up a ton of, you know, tough goals. You know, he, he manages, he manages things well. Makes the um, save he needs to make and yeah, yeah, makes yeah. the timely saves too. Yeah, exactly. So and and so if, if Michigan's gonna have a chance to win it all, yes, they have all that talent, but they need him to be good, and he's been good enough for them this year to be one of the top teams in the country. Especially this past week and a half, again, without your Beneers, your Johnson, your Brisson, and of course Owen Power. I mean, they just did a clean sweep of Michigan State and obviously a big rivalry series. Uh uh and just, you know, he's really taken the reins and held his own and given them a chance to win every single game without their key players in the lineup. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And I mean, sometimes that's all you can ask for, you know, and, 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 and that's, he's, he's progressing too. Like he's showing development. He's showing, you know, there were times this year where he would get a little scrambly. He would get a little bit out of, you know, out of sorts, or maybe he'd play the puck at the wrong time you're starting to see him play a much more reserved and not reserved, but just a, a more uh, a clean game. You know, he's playing a cleaner game and he's, and he's, he's looked good. So I, he's, I think he's an outstanding young prospect, a lot of upside. Um, you know, Levi certainly has the numbers and is the guy that, that I think, you know, has a little more polish and is a little bit better on just a little bit better in a couple of, a couple of different areas. But I mean, you can't have enough goaltending in your system and, mm-hmm. and they're, they're looking pretty good there. Well, hey, I, I have to jet to, to run a lesson. Chris, really appreciate uh, your time. Um, can you remind our listeners where they can find your work? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks a lot, guys. It's always great to be with you. Um, you can find me on Hockey Sense on Substack. It's hockeysense.substack.com. Um, and then also dailyfaceoff.com where I've had a lot of Olympic recaps and that's where my draft rankings are and stuff like that. So uh, that's uh, that's where you can find my work most uh, most often and also my podcast is talking hockey sense which is available wherever you get this podcast i would imagine I would give it a listen folks chris <laughs> big thank you to you Dwayne. i'm out of here early i know you yep. got an ad read to do yep uh you know obviously this is brought to you by uh outlet liquor the place to buy a case make sure you get over there on georgia boulevard to buy uh, a case obviously for the sorrow sabers games that you're going to have to endure for the rest of the season or of course the remainder of the Olympics. And Chris, again, thank you so much for coming on with us. We'd love to have you on again during draft time. We always love your insight and you know, you're always a fun guest to have on. So yeah. Well, my pleasure. Thanks guys. All right, you guys, this has been two goalies, one Mike episode 85. You have a spectacular day and uh, go USA. Hey, everybody, it's Dwayne from Two Goalies, One Mike here to remind you that we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. So please make sure you subscribe, hit the notification button, so whenever we go live or drop an episode, you're the first ones to know. And, of course, can you give us a five-star review? Really appreciate it. Helps us get noticed in the world of hockey podcasting. Does go a long way, and we really do appreciate it, and we appreciate you for listening. And while you're at it, please make sure you check out any of the podcasts with Trainwreck Sports Network and, of course, Dean Blundell's Podcasting Network. Guys have a ton of great content, great podcasts uh, for you to listen to, no matter what like your forte is, what sport it is, or just you know music. You know, I know they have a ton of different stuff on all of their platforms. So make sure you check that out. And thank you for listening. And you guys have a great day.
I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.